Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's happening? We're live. This is, uh, I don't know, I'm on like a five-day streak of doing these live podcasts. I didn't know if I'd ever get here, but somehow I pulled it off. I hope you guys are well. Hope your day has gone well. We are going to continue to talk about draft prospects for the Browns for the next three weeks. So if you don't want to listen to us talk about picks 26, 59, 89, 91, you're in the wrong spot. We're going to do all draft talk all the time. Then after the draft, we're going to have nonstop talk about who they actually picked. So that's what we're trying to bring you. I'm trying to bring the smartest, sharpest minds into this space to talk about those guys, and I have a great guest for us tonight in Matt Waldman. You know Matt, hopefully from Twitter, who does fantastic work. He also has his own website that he does, his draft guide. His draft guide, listen, man, it's one of the most comprehensive draft guides out there. It's it's really – it's quarterback, tight end, wide receiver, running back, all the skill positions, and I always talk to Matt about running backs because he turned my head on Nick Chubb well before anybody else did, and and, and I like to, to, to kind of – send as many conversations about Nick Matt's way as possible. But listen, it's it's uh, Matt Waldman, RSP for RookieScoutingPortfolio.com. So make sure you head there and get his uh, draft guide. And make sure you check out his YouTube channel. He told me he's up to over 10,000 subscribers. Great content all the time. Like, not just spotty work. Like, everyday great work. Matt is one of the best. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have him on. Matt, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. I always love doing the show. And man, that intro was killer. Hey, listen, I, if you pay the right people, you got to find them. <laughs> I, I always tell my wife this too. Like, I can't do anything around the house, but I can write a hell of a check. So that's kind of my theory on anything tech-wise too. I'll, I'll yeah. send you my debit card information and you make it because I don't know. Whatever there, I but, there we go. <laughs> well, listen, I know you're deep down. You're, you're a Browns guy at heart. I always like talking Browns with you because I think you get a little kick out of talking Browns too. So um, reminder to anybody who's in the comments section – Ask your questions. I will put them up for Matt at the very end, and he will answer some of the best ones that we get. Uh, I like to have our guests have a chance to interact with our fans a little bit. Matt will do a great job with that. We're going to talk about picks 26 and 59 uh, specifically because, and I, and I think Matt would probably agree with me here, that this is the first time that the Browns in a long time have an established set of roster foundation go into the draft without needing needing really anything. They can get better at positions. And I think that they will be active in the free agency market after the draft. But nonetheless, they 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 have a base here, a structure in place, an actual vision, and 26 and 59 are not need-based. And more, how can this player help us win now, and how can they tie into our future? So I'm excited about that, and I want to talk with you, Matt, about – and you can go ahead and dive right into it, man. Like, what what is your thought about the Browns heading into this draft and kind of what guys stand out to you at 26 and 59 for them? Yeah, it's a it's just a wonderful spot for Cleveland to be in right now, and it's nice to see to you know that they're in a position where it is. Let's find the best player available. Let's find a player that might be able to make an impact, even if we have guys in a position right now that are going to be fine for us. You know, in, in terms of we're looking at the Cleveland Browns as us, and so from that standpoint, you know, guys that are available right now, I think you know you could. You could say we're pretty good at cornerback. We could get better after we added Troy Hill. Certainly, we still got Greedy Williams. See what happens there. Denzel Ward, obviously, great player, great young player. But if what if a Jacob Farley falls? Do we want that that kind of guy? Do we want to bring him in? He's such a good, um, 
you know, cover corner there, but probably won't happen. You know, so if that doesn't happen, we're looking at linebackers, I think. I think we could use more linebacker depth if we're talking as a Cleveland fan. And right off the bat, yeah, Jamin Davis. I mean, this is a guy that may not have a ton of starting experience when you talk about him. And and so when you read the scouting reports about this guy, you're going to keep hearing about how he's very athletic, compares athletically, and maybe even skill-wise to Darius Leonard of the Indianapolis Colts, which is just when you hear that, you got to take a deeper dive into this guy. And you can see he can cover guys like, um, you know, Kyle Pitts, at least enough to be able to get within range and be able to get his hand out there and maybe block the vision of the uh, of the receiver a bit. He comes downhill well, you know, and he's able to make plays in the backfield, as you can see there. He has good peripheral vision. He gets downhill quickly, like I said, but also moves well laterally so he can jump from gap to gap and be able to make those plays between the tackles. I think that he has a very good control when it comes to his pursuit. You can tell when he wraps up, he get, brings that guy down to the ground, which you like to see. He's not just an athlete who's like diving all over the place. Um, and the things that, you know, the, the coverage recognition is pretty darn good. I mean, like when it comes to, you know, being able to cut off passes and work across the field um, with defend, you know, with receivers working behind him or below him, he does a good job being able to recognize where he needs to be. Um, and he has that length and the hand-eye coordination to catch the football. So you got to be careful with him, you know, underneath in that sense. But then, you know, at the same time, as you can see right there and being able to, you know, work over, you know, work over the top there. But you're going to hear people complain about, well, he does only had 11 career starts. You know, he's someone that isn't all that experienced and maybe needs to refine how he um, takes angles. It's not really even the angles, like when he begins his pursuit downhill. Maybe he can be a little quicker, or they say that maybe he has to work off blocks a little bit better. But the reasons they give are things like hand position needs to be a little bit better. He's just maybe a half a beat slower than he needs to be for what you would look for in the in the pro game. All those things tell me is that they're just they they kind of want to cover their assets when they're talking about Jamin Davis because he has such little tape compared to maybe some of the the other linebackers in this class as a starter. But when you watch him, what I see is a smart football player who's rangy athletic and the things that he has to learn are things he can learn. They're like not the tough things. They're not the instinctive things. They're not the conceptual things as much as it is, you know, conceptual, maybe studying film. But I mean, look at him drop back there and that, that catch radius to be able to come back and, you know, be able to cut that off and the way he moves his hips. And just, this is a, this is a guy that, I mean, you look at Leonard, but I also think of, he may not be as instinctive as this, but you think of Erlacher back in the day when Erlacher could drop back like that and be able to make those types of rangy plays. And to me, he's the best combination of like athletic upside, um, still on the way conceptually in terms of where he could go. And then, yeah, we could talk about this guy right here, you know, whew. You know, <laughs> this guy right here might be a better linebacker. It just depends on how you want to look at it. Um, you know, and when you're talking about, you know, line, this linebacker out of Tulsa who just, I mean, listen, um, when you get Javen Collins and you have a guy who has this size, this ability to drop back and, and find spots in that open area to be able to cut off passes, He's not like a high-end, you know, pass rusher, 
but he can blitz the quarterback and he has that downhill. When he gets downhill, he gets downhill in a hurry and he is a hitter and he's a guy who, you know, still has more upside to his game, but I'm a big fan of Xavier Collins. I think that this is a guy that um, if you can't get Davis and you wind up with Collins, it's not much of a, it's not really a consolation prize. It's more of a like, what color would you like your top prospect to be? And would you like the blue model or would you like the green model? You know, it's, and it's kind of like, I like both, you know? And I think that that's, that's the case with this guy. Um, You know, maybe he's not as athletic in terms of the short area quickness as, uh, you know, Davis, but I think that what he makes up for in strength, what he makes up for in his ability to, to be able to get downhill and work through contact, um, you know, he can, he can do a little better job of coming off blocks. He can do a little bit of better job of, you know, being able to play away from blockers who come up field on him. But the things that you're going to like worry about with him, they're, they're small issues. Once again, they're not like, Oh, well, he's such a great athlete, but he has like 8 million things to learn. And we don't know if he's going to get there, but we got to take a chance on him because you don't get athletes, athletes like this all the time. I hate looking at draft prospects like that. I want guys who can play football and the two, these two linebackers can play some football and they happen to be really good athletes. Well, I'll give you this question because it's good from, you know, OBR colleague, Jared Mueller is, is in, is he kind of in that Jamie Collins, a Darius Thomas type versatility to you? I think Jamie Collins pops off the page when I think of him, when it, when I think see Collins, that was the first thing I thought when I saw, um, you know, this guy, when I saw Zavin Collins, but then I wonder, you know, a day, a, um, a Dalius Thomas is certainly a nice option too. You could say low end at worst, he's down to high tower. And I don't think that's an apt comparison. I think that's a low end comparison for him. I would be more inclined to say a Dalius Thomas, Jamie Collins is a better range for what you can do. That's a, that's a very good suggestion. Kind of in, in the linebacker, I know we're going to talk about Nick Bolton too, but we didn't really list JOK here. He might go well before 26, but you know he's got a linebacker name attached to him. I view him more as a hybrid safety rover type. If if he is there, is is that a guy you're interested in, or do you think the Browns double up a little bit too much in that skill set at that point? I kind of list. I was thinking about listing him because yeah, when you watch him play you can see that idea of him being that kind of gadget guy that could be really awesome um and give you that hybrid feel but i just don't know if i was loving that because i think maybe it's because i'm still attached to grant delpit and waiting to see what happens with him because i thought he was the best player in the draft last year um that was underrated due to the injuries that he played with and missed some Mm -hmm. tackles so i'd rather give i'd rather give delpit that chance and not even cloud the picture um and then next year if they if it doesn't work out they can go from there and I'm kind of leery of gadget guys who are like 215 pounds. You don't know. They can end up being players without a position. It can work out great, but for me, and maybe this is the draft where you can afford to do that if he falls. But I, I look at the Browns and I think about these two linebackers that could wind up being better than a Wusu. So, you know, yeah. I would rather, I'd rather go with the guys who look and fit like linebackers. And there's a guy in the second round probably could go in the second round who reminds people of Eric Kendricks. And if you can get an Eric Kendricks like player, if he's anywhere near Eric Kendricks, there he is, Nick Bolton. You can get that guy as your second, as your second round pick. You might be very happy with that. He may never be as big as you'd like him to be, um, but he's a hitter. 
He is a smart player who takes strong angles. He's where the ball needs to be. I think he has enough range to be uh, you know, a good linebacker in this league. Whether you want to put him in the middle or in the weak side, if you put him in the middle, and even though it's kind of a small middle linebacker, if you did that, you could take Walker and put him on the weak side. You maybe could put Bolton on the weak side if you want to as well. And either way, you're going to get smart players who can, you, you know, who can drop back in coverage and win. And and I don't know. I mean, I know there's lots of better athletes at linebacker than Eric Kendricks, but ever since I watched Eric Kendricks at UCLA, I thought that's my kind of guy. It's like running backs where people get all excited about guys who can jump cut and who can run fast, and they still don't know what to do when they when they have to be efficient and make plays in traffic. And yeah. this dude right here can do that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, listen, I, I I definitely agree on Bolton. I think some people they just they just take the testing too serious, and some of the agility things scare people. While to me, if you're in the right place, you minimize the impact of agility so often. So it's like I think Bolton could be. I think he would. I shouldn't say definitely. You never really know because it's such a weird draft. Yeah. Has a great chance to be there at 59. Well, let me ask you this though. This is a bigger kind of overarching question about the Browns, and it's a good question that somebody posed up here earlier. And in and, and the, the way this is framed is more framed for defensive tackle. But even the best linebackers. So say say JOK is there. Say say Zavin's there. Say you know Jamin's there too at pick 26. I think there's a lot of people who feel like the Browns need a corner. I think they feel like, you know, the greedy Williams nerve thing. Is that ever going to be right again? Are you nervous about that? We need a second outside corner. Even if you view Troy Hill as like a guy who has more outside experience than slot experience, do we need to add there? And I think the Browns are going to add a corner, but this is an interesting question to me is like, would you rather take the third or fourth corner? Because, you know, Caleb Farley with the back injury, you never know where he's going to be picked, but he could still go above 26. And then it's like, okay, Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, probably both off the board. So you're running into like an Asante Samuel range at 26, hypothetically speaking here, because we, like I said, we could just be totally off on the value of these guys. <laughs> it's so weird. But like, is is a corner in that spot at 26 less appealing to you, Matt, than say a top linebacker prospect like Jamin or in this person's question, his question's kind of geared more toward Christian Barmore there at 26. So like, I'm interested in your opinion on that. For the Browns specifically, do you see that being more of a need like uh, to go get a corner there no matter what? Or should they focus on the best defensive player available there? I mean, I still think probably best defensive player available would be nice. I I can understand the need for corner, but you know, who are you looking at at that point? You know, and how do you feel about 
how they fit. You know, Samuel, you know, he's not a big guy. So are you how do you feel about him in terms of his ability to, you know, press in this league? Do you feel like that that's going to be that that's going to be an issue for him? Um, you know, but at the same time, he's an aggressive guy. He plays above his pay grade in terms of, you know, in terms of his size. So if you feel okay about that, that might be okay. But then you start looking at these other players. And then like the next player that kind of appeals to me is probably further down the board, you know, um, and guys you can get like in set in third or fourth round. And when I think about those guys that you can get like, in the later rounds, I mean, there's a guy that Russ Landy talked about that I've seen a little bit of, um, and I'm trying to remember his name right off the bat because, um, you know, I mostly study skill skill prospects, but it's the um, – let's see if I can find him here real quick. Um, I think he played at Minnesota. He was a, he's a Canadian kid who, like, played at a played at a fairly high level. I'll have to get the back Saint to you Juiced. on that. St. Juice, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. long, good, le- good length. You know, someone yeah, who yeah. seems to play very smart. I, mm-hmm. I think that could be a, an interesting pick later on. Thank you for, for mentioning that because I was struggling to find them. Um, and But I think that at that point, you could probably get more cornerback play. And I think cornerback play is one of those ones where you see so many first-round guys who are just meh as a corner. And then you find – then you're able to find guys a little bit later who play well. I think it's kind of like – it's kind of like – some of the skill positions you can find depth at corner and end up getting surprises. Whereas I think at defensive tackle, I would rather go with the early guy. I'm with it. And St. Juice is one of those interesting guys that I think the Browns are going to run into a ton this year where we have this last year's draft sample size where they only took guys 21 and younger, maybe 22 where St. Juice turns 24 in his rookie year. But it's like, I wouldn't as, as somebody looking at how the Browns go, I would not eliminate people 23, 24 as later mid round to late pick guys, because We've only seen one sample size, and if you know you're getting a guy who you think can come in right away and impact, you don't necessarily care because you get four years of that player, and then you can kind of decide from there, like, is he worth going forward with, and he's only going to be 27 or so. So, like, I get it. You always want younger players, but at the end of the day, you got to take guys who you know can fit what you do defensively. So I think St. Just is an interesting prospect, among many others, and I'm with it. The guardrails for age, like, people – this is a big hot topic on Brown's Twitter. We tend to look at this thing like Jacob Phillips drafted at 20, turns 21 as rookie season. Some of that stuff I get, but don't be surprised if they don't perfectly follow the age guardrails that many people think. The next guy who I think is fascinating, Matt, is is your, your one of your others at 26 and a wide receiver that I think some people have mentioned on Twitter. Uh, I think people kind of take the wide receiver stuff interest a little bit serious, but it could be if, if he's there at 26, you, you deep dive as well as anybody on these skill guys, especially wide receivers. Sell me on Rashad Bateman. Sell people listening to this. We've got about 50 folks in the live room right now. We'll get plenty of others listening to this, the audio version. Tell folks why Rashad Bateman is worth pick 26, even amongst defensive needs. Yes, because when what you're looking at for Cleveland is you have Odell Beckham, who's coming back from injury. Um, and then, of course, you saw Donovan Peoples-Jones flash a little bit as an outside receiver. You've got a great you know, slot receiver can play inside, outside, and Jarvis Landry, who's really a big heart, part of the heart of the team. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Beckham, you know, people wonder, is he going to stick around? Are they really going to keep him? And is People Jones really going to pan out as an every down receiver? Well, Cleveland likes to run a lot out of the slot. They like to use slot receivers. And Bateman can play in the slot. And Bateman, when you look at his comps, like he's really a player that compares well to players like Keaton Allen and Michael Thomas in terms of skill sets 
and types of things that he does well. He's a good route runner inside who really contends well for the ball with safeties coming at him, coming downhill, linebackers working at him. He has a really great knack of catching the ball in traffic and taking that one step as he takes the catch, still concentrating enough to catch the ball with the defender tight to his back and still make the first man miss and take off and gain a good 15 to 30 yards after the catch. Now, if you watch him in 2020, you're going to say, this doesn't look like the guy that Matt's describing. And that's because... For one, he got COVID and he lost 20 pounds. He had trouble shaking yeah. the, the disease. And when he when he got the illness, he he came back and he came back kind of early and he played in a scheme where they they didn't target him as much downfield. They used him more as a, a fly sweep type of player and, and used him in the short range. But if you watch him in 2019, the guy's a world beater. I mean, he has an unbelievable catch radius. He gets deep very easily, and so he played at 20 pounds less than what he did last year. It's kind of like when you talk about Brett Favre after the accident he had playing at Southern Miss and having his intestine taken out and playing like 25 pounds lighter and then playing Alabama and still looking pretty good. You know, yeah. this is Bateman kind of, you know, wasn't that serious of a deal, fortunately for him, but still losing 20 pounds is a serious thing. And, and the fact that he's gained back 10 of it already and had a strong pro day so that his numbers look more like the player he was in 2019, he'll gain that other 10 pounds back, I think. You know, it just takes a little bit of time. And this is a guy who can, again, inside, outside, has that Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas kind of vibe, really great hands, catch radius, tough, can take the hits. And he's got a little bit of that Cordero Patterson skill after the catch. Cordero Patterson to me is the best open field runner I've ever seen in terms of yeah. like a wide receiver, you know? And mm-hmm. when you when you put this guy in here and he and you can kind of give him a little bit of a low-end comparison to that, I, I think he's a bargain. Well, ironically, Matt, we were t- I was talking with some fo- – I, I put out a thing on Twitter just a little bit ago about – you know, I keep thinking about these short burst receivers, kind of the you know, we're going to talk about a guy here in a minute, Kadarius Tony, but but like the Elijah Moore, the the Rondale Moore, those types. And it's like we want to kind of say maybe there's not a role for that person in the Browns offense. But if you watch I watched way too much Minnesota 2019 and then going into what he did with uh, Jojo Nats. And I'm talking about Kevin Stefanski calling plays. They wanted to get that horizontal guy. They wanted a guy who the stuff who could do kind of your long drag routes from a, a kind of a bunch set out wide they need to stretch the field horizontally maybe not so much uh vertically we i think they have vertical threats in, in a wide mixture of ways but i think horizontally is an interesting thing so like bateman being able to come in and do some of those things while he gets his nfl feet wet you know kind of he has comfortability doing some of the horizontal things while he also has this skill set which you just referenced which is the ability to win downfield the ability to separate you get his feet wet and by the end of his rookie year as you're going into decisions in 2022 about wide receiver you're like okay we see this guy here is going to be what we imagine he is we've eased him into this role now he's ready to take off year two but also could still like you said he could have a very big role right away because he's that good. And I think if you said, like, he puts those 10 pounds back on, he gets back to where he's comfortable playing. He played with Tyler Johnson. People forget Tyler Johnson had a nice rookie year in in, in, in Tampa Bay. He, he's used to playing with other good players. He will find a role. He's not specific. He is broad. He's versatile. I'm with you. I hope Bateman's there. And if he's there and they take him, I'll be extremely giddy because he's a guy that's fun to break down 
good tape. And um, listen, man, I'm going to use your your draft guide to get some of the minor details, of course. But um, good player. Tyler, talk about Tyler Wallace, another guy. Didn't maybe test as well as people thought he would, but the tape doesn't lie. He's got some really fun tape, man. Yeah, he sure does. This is a guy who he's kind of a he's a good example of a player who plays bigger than his than his listing. You know, he goes up and wins the football, but he also is a route runner. He's not just a he's not just a you know contested catch short guy who can leap and win the ball tough. He can he breaks. He has excellent hard breaks. He's sudden. He was one of the fastest players at wide receiver in college football for the past two years. Now, one of those years, he had an ACL tear for part of that season. But before the injury, he was among the two to three fastest. And think about that, because we know who two of the fastest are, Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase. You know, So when you add Tillon Wallace to that equation, but he's also tough. He can block. He's got the attitude for it. He's physical, uses his hands well. He's a he understands how to take care of the ball as a runner. And this is a tough mentality guy because think about it. Came back from an ACL tear, played with a brace much of last year, and he played well, but he didn't have as great tape as what he had pre pre-draft because you can see he was still getting confidence in that knee. Then he hurt his knee before the before the uh, um the bowl game. Same knee that he like had tore the ACL with. Most guys, you wouldn't blame for just saying, you know what, forget it. I'll wait for my pro day. I'll be healed. Everything will be good. I'm not playing. He played, and he played well. And it's yeah. and when you look at that, this guy knowing that his career's on the line and he's still going to play for his team, you could, you know, you might you might say, well, that's kind of dumb. But at the same time, you appreciate the effort. Um, either way, you want to look at it. This guy's about his team. He's about giving his best effort and he takes pride in playing football. And that's something that that's, that's an intangible that I'm totally about. And when you think about the, um, when you think about somebody like Wallace and his pro day, and he went back and ran like a, a high four, three, you can tell that he's getting confidence back in that knee. He's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a steal. I think he's one of the six best receivers in this class. Definitely a guy who could be of interest to 59, but like you said, could sneak under the radar to 89-91 as well uh, as a spot, maybe the sweet spot the Browns definitely look at wide receiver. And I think that you answered a question because somebody was asking about who that maybe mid-round wide receiver is that you love that maybe nobody's talking enough about. That's an answer. Now, this is a guy, Kadarius Tony, who more of that role I talked about earlier with Sha Bateman, that horizontal guy, but can do way more than that. You know, I think he's certainly not pigeonholed into that role. Uh, kind of buzz caught him first round right out of the gate, maybe sneaks into the second round now because of the size concerns. You know, the data experts look at size and get all concerned about the height stuff. Like, I listen, can he play football or not? So, like, I'm interested in him. And, and, and to me, Matt, like, if they're really into trading up out of 59 a little bit to go up and get somebody they really think is going to impact their offense, he's, he's certainly fascinating. Oh, without a doubt he is. I mean, I think you can be conservative, and as a conservative comparison, you'd say Golden Tate. And when you think about Golden Tate with the not with Seattle or with the Giants, but with the Lions when he had multiple thousand yard, eleven hundred yard seasons with ninety plus catches, and what he's able to do as an after the catch player who can all also go up and win the ball or get deep for you, Kadarius Tony has better 
pass. He may not have better pass tracking than Tate, but he uses his hands better at the catch point than Tate did. Tate's one of those guys who's like the exception to the rule that proves the rule that very rarely do you have a receiver who doesn't know how to use his hands well um, in terms of addressing the ball um, and still be able to succeed in the NFL in tight physical coverage. Tate does that. Like he and early Doucette are the only two guys I can think of who did that well, and Doucette only did it halfway well. Tate's had the career. Tony can do that. The thing with Tony that just needs to improve a little bit is that he can move a little bit too much where his feet and legs go too far outside his frame as a route runner and as a runner with the ball in his hand, which leads to him slipping. And when, and also being in awkward positions. And you get in awkward positions and take a hit or land funny, and that I can, I'm concerned a little bit about maybe some injuries as a result of that. And he's had some injuries during his career. Nothing major, major, but still enough that, you know, it's on his resume. Um, but he's a good tracker of the ball. He's tough. He's exciting the open field. He's got some – he has great contact balance for his size. So yeah. you're excited about that. So you could play a little outside for you inside, do that horizontal thing. Um, I do have minor concerns. I don't really get into off-field very much. But if I were the Browns, I know like they do with every player – they wanted to investigate some of the off-field stuff that was attributed to him or being involved in, in some things or being at the wrong place at the, at the wrong time and make sure that this was a case of just typical immaturity that happens with young players and young people in general or if there's um, a little bit more fire to that smoke. Well, this is great stuff on wide receiver, uh, especially linebacker too. I want to get before we go, I, I've kept you longer than I promised I would. I, I, I just I love your running back takes, Matt. Give me two kind of guys that if the and listen, I think this is real. I everybody's paying their top running back for what it's worth. Like I, I know people get crazy about this, but show me lately an elite running back that hasn't been paid, and I'll call you a liar. They get paid. They're gonna pay Nick. I just they're just gonna pay him. They'll find a way to pay him. But if they let some, if they want to work in maybe some get some trade value from Kareem Hunt and bring in a young guy. Maybe they look with their, their, their picks late six round pick or their, their, I think they got the third to last pick in this draft. Who are guys that are the end of the draft that catch your eye? Just a couple. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's funny that, you know, I'm glad you're on board with the idea that I mean, as much as I love Kareem Hunt, you can't get rid of Nick Chubb. I mean, that's just, that's just kind of silly, but if you can wait till later, some guys who might fall, I don't think he should fall past the fourth round. But if Kylan Hill is still there, Mississippi State running back, and it could happen because he opted out. Yeah. He didn't have a he had a decent start, but he was in Mike Leach's system, and that didn't work out for him well. This is a 5'10, 215-pound dude who can cut. He can he reads the field well, can run both gap and zone if you need him to. He's an excellent pass catcher. He is a very good receiver who runs routes well. He can give you some skill as a route runner to kind of double up on a defender and, and get deep and also work over the middle of the field. And so I think he's very good. Um, if Ramondre Stevenson, I don't think he's going to fall. Everybody seems to like him. Um, yeah. And I think the potential for him is high. So we'll kind of move along on that. Larry Roundtree out of Missouri. This hmm. is a guy that he may never be a top end starter, um, but I really like his game. He got better and better. 5'10", 11. He doesn't have long speed, but he has the burst and the short area change of direction. He he can scoot. He has the cutting skill. He understands. He has the contact balance. He has a good feel for being able to find creases and be efficient with those creases where a lot of players may overreact 
to seeing that flash of penetration. He doesn't. He moves efficiently for a guy who can make dynamic moves. So I think he's a smart player who can catch the ball, who has some potential as a blocker that you can look at and feel pretty good about. And then maybe Josh Johnson out of UL Monroe. He's kind of a Devonta Freeman type who isn't extremely fast, just on the border of maybe having starter speed. But most teams would say we want someone faster once they got to look at him. But he's quick, jump cuts, all sorts of different types of ability to move. Um, but he's powerful for his size. He's a smart runner, and I could see him hanging around there. And I'll just end with a guy that no one's talking about, and maybe he won't be worth talking about, but I'll, I'll add him here because I liked what I saw. Stevie Scott out of Indiana. He's a mm-hmm. 6'2", 231 guy who knows how to use his size. He can block. He can catch. He has a good feel for tight spaces. Um, he may never, again, be the guy that you're saying, let's get him as a starter but he could give you starter-like production if you need him, and he'll be around. Yeah, so if you guys want to read up on these guys, just talk about running backs with tree, Kyle Wilson, and so forth, the the, the scouting guy, the, the draft guy that Matt puts out is, is genuinely, if you're looking quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, running back, the best thing on the market because it's focused. A lot of draft guys get everywhere, and there's so much to cover. You can't deep dive all these guys, but if you specifically focus on skill guys, you want to look at who the Browns can take in the later rounds. This is the go-to spot. Matt, tell them real quick before we go, man, other place, everything they can find you at. Certainly. You can find me at mattwaldmanrsp.com. That's my main site with thousands of pieces of content ranging back from years, you know, showing you film breakdowns. You can go to my YouTube channel, Matt Waldman's RSP Film Room, which has, I think at this point, over 560 videos on it, ranging with guests who were pro players to the various media, as well as just, you know, doing breakdowns of all these players ranging from three to five minutes to hour long pieces where I do deep, deep dives on, on players. And you can look at the guys that I've looked at over the past probably seven to eight years. Find me on Twitter at Matt Waldman. And if you like fantasy football and you and you like that kind of thing, well, listen, I'm senior staff writer at footballguys.com, one of the oldest and best websites that you're going to find for fantasy sports in terms of fantasy football. And uh, and I have my own podcast, Matt Waldman's RSP cast, where I do scouting work, talk with guys like Mark Schofield, who's former quarterback at Wesleyan University. And we we talk, we chop it up every other week. And me and Russ Landy, former Brown Scout, current um, head of U.S. Scouting for the Montreal Alouettes, he joins me every other week, and we get in-depth about the nature of scouting itself. Listen, you're not going to find better content. You're not going to find a better guy. Matt, listen, very much appreciative for you coming on the show, man. Thank you so much, Jake. I love doing the show with you. It's always a pleasure when you have me on. We'll always have you back uh, before the season, like usual, just like usual. We get we get in touch with Matt as often as we can. He's one of the best. Again, make sure you're following along, buying his draft guide, checking out the videos on his YouTube channel. Thanks for subscribing to this YouTube channel and joining us. Great conversation. And then the uh, comment stuff today, any questions that pertain to what we're talking about, always throw them up. Matt was great with those. Uh, subscribe to this, this podcast if you have not subscribed to it. Give us a review. And then make sure, again, you're pinged every time we go live on YouTube by subscribing here. Again, another shout-out to Matt for joining us. Appreciate all of you. Have a great day, and we will check in tomorrow. Go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.